News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Good morning. Welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas. With me, like always, Rick and Jill Van Dyke. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Jay. Good morning. Yeah, nice to be here. It uh, looks like around most of the province, we're looking at a pretty nice day, which is pretty fantastic. Yeah. Not super hot, but uh, a little break. You know, it's a bit of a breeze today, at least where we are. A little break in the wind we've had for the past couple of days. Man, it's been windy. Holy smoke, it's yeah. been windy. It's so windy. But today, with the sun shining, um, it's a perfect day for gardening because you sort of get your work on get your sweat on and then you get cooled off a little yeah bit a little a little bit of a breeze but not that uh <laughs> gale force yeah. wind exactly. we've had welcome to the show and thanks for joining us this sunday morning we've got a two-hour show for you just like always throughout the entire summer and so there's lots of time to get your questions in and calls in if there's something not going right with your yard maybe already or some problem you had last year that you want to fix this year we're still just entering the garden growing season right yes, i mean absolutely you know as much as everybody Everybody's kind of gone to the store, maybe bought their plants. Now we've got lots of growing season, right? Yeah. People are coming in now still picking up the odd little vegetable plant they want to add into their garden or they've got the other little pot they pulled out and they want to add a little flowers into it and everything else has been pretty busy in that part of it, hasn't it, Jill? Yeah, and um, we're still growing things. Like mm-hmm. A lot of things are being transplanted up and bumped up to a bigger size for those people who maybe um, haven't got their garden started. They can pick a tomato up in like a one or three gallon pot or a cucumber up in a larger pot. So um, Sometimes they already have fruit on them. Sometimes they've got fruit started on them so it's definitely like the season's still continues and you know what if you still got that pot you want to finish up and you just want to get a head you know a catch-up to, to, to everybody else yeah what a lot of people do is go to your favorite greenhouse wherever it is around saskatchewan they've got a hanging basket whether it be a 12 inch or 14 inch whatever yep pop that plant right out of the hanging basket pot and stick it right into your planter voila you're done a lot of those hanging baskets like a 13 inch hanging basket usually has enough plant material that it will fill up the size of an oak barrel so that's something to keep in mind if you just want a quick pot made up you yeah. can just take a hanging basket pop it into pop a pot it in, and you're done. done while we're speaking of that and and i this, this just reminds me you know when we go through the garden center the hanging baskets look amazing but i, I tend to find that you buy one and it sort of kind of declines a little bit after there's a trick to keeping them looking good yeah right? absolutely there is now one thing is is there the pot size and eventually fills up with roots and there's basically no soil left in it no nutrients left in that pot so fertilizing it often is so so important it's basically growing hydroponically so and, and what do you do in the greenhouse all, all, all every day all day every day we have we water them we water them in the morning and when they're really big like so probably in another couple of weeks we'll be watering in the morning in the morning in the late afternoon so almost twice a day we're watering and, them and we're watering them enough so that the water is leaching out the bottom of the pot right and what's on tap and we have fertilizer <laughs> on tap <laughs> So we're using a 28... 28- <laughs> 820 um, fertilizer. 28820. Yeah, okay. a- about that. So we're lowering the middle number a little bit. And what that does in the greenhouse is it prevents a little bit more stretching, but you still get that continuous bloom. So um, it's the middle number that causes pl- plants generally to stretch? Um, it, it does in, in a greenhouse setting when we're growing them so quickly and okay. the, the temperatures are, are good. The other thing that you can do with your baskets is making sure that you're pruning them and trimming them often. Um, we do a hard trim on our baskets in March, but you can continually trim your baskets and they actually like that and they'll be fuller and rounder and they'll be little puffballs of color. It's like you say, Rick, don't be afraid. The pruning thing, right? Everybody's right. always afraid to prune their trees yeah. or their shrubs, shrubs or even, yeah. we're talking about flowers right now, but it's the same story, right? Yeah. Rick, have you got any, you're 
yard work done. I know my yard work. I got a couple pots down the front, but I think I'm always the last one on my street to get my garden yeah, in. No, <laughs> no. Uh, my wife has got some pots done on the deck already, so it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it, now I'm working. I'm working on the big yard part of it because I got a new yard that we're redoing and. And so, yeah, it's it's busy. Lots of landscaping. Hey, there's something you've brought in. We're going to talk about this because it's our first call, and, and this is perfect. What a segue. Uh, we're going to talk to Donna in a second, who's an Asquith. But you brought a little cage in here, and it looks like a little toy. Yeah, so I was inspired by my children. And this week, my daughter was home from sick from school. And, of course, when she's homesick from school, she goes on to our website, and she starts researching all the products that we carry. <laughs> At Dutch Growers. And so she calls me up at work and she goes, Mom, you didn't tell me you guys sell praying mantis. And then she spent the whole day researching it. And uh, she absolutely needs to have a praying mantis. So I brought one home from the store last night and I'm going to give it to her today. You bought, you bought more than one. Uh, yeah. Well, there's an egg in this in this little cage. Yeah. And um, with the eggs, we'll probably get to it with the collar, but we'll talk a little bit more well, about, I asked, about them. I asked Jill if she brought her hamster in for us this morning because it's like a little plastic. <laughs> it looks. It's like a little plastic cage that you would catch bugs in. It's That's right. bright, bright yellow, bright pink. It's it's very, very, very cool. on trend right now. So speaking of uh, praying mantises, let's go to Ask With right now and we'll talk to Donna. Good morning, Donna. Good morning. Good morning. What is your question for us then? Okay. Uh, the uh, At the end of uh, April, I bought a little um, cage with the praying mantis egg sac. Okay. And I followed the directions. And I put them in the fridge for two weeks, like it said, and then I took them out. And this morning, the babies all hatched. They're all in there now. So I'm wondering, is it safe to put them outside, or is it too cold yet, or... You're wanting to wait till our nighttime temperatures are about plus 10, so consistently. So um, just, I think we're getting a little bit, it's still a little bit cool, but we're almost there. So I'd probably leave them maybe in that cage. The only thing is, is um, my daughter was telling me a little bit more about these. And if you leave them in the cage together, they'll start eating each other too. So... Um, so yeah, you, you'll, I think it's, I think it's we're pretty, pretty close, we're pretty close we're, to getting warm enough. Seven, in, in Saskatoon, we're at seven tonight, eight, eight, and then 11, 12. So we're pretty close. I would suggest that because you don't want them to start uh, eating each other. <laughs> that they and, go and I'm looking Regina is 7, 8, 8, 8, and then 10, 11, 12, 14 yeah, by the I next think, week. So I think I'd, you're pretty good to put some good. outside. Um, what they want is they want that sort of warm nighttime temperatures, and they like the long daylight hours is what they're looking for. Well, so, so what we've got right now is long daylight yeah, hours. We have the daylight hours. Exactly. And they're looking for bugs, so make sure you put them in a place where maybe they have some food right away, too. Okay, well, i got a few acids growing on my plants in the house, so maybe I'll put a couple there, too. <laughs> Sounds go. good. That's awesome. Let us know where you find them uh, in a few weeks, too, Donna. Thanks for your call today. Bye, sir. Well, thanks so much. Have a great okay. day, guys. 1-877-332-8255. So that's, that's kind of fun. A, a great way of... of Getting rid of without using chemicals that's or anything right. else, get rid of bugs and other bugs in the yard because that's all they do is all day long. This praying mantis is go and seek and destroy. Yeah, and you can keep them inside as a little pet too. As long as you continue to feed them, they can be little pets indoors. So, so put them near something that has aphids. Like right now uh, in the garden, it'd be great if you've got peppers and those kind of things because they're always full of aphids and those kind of mm-hmm. things. That's an also an mm-hmm. indicator plant. Or if you've got dogwoods. Uh, in your yard or, or, or nine barks, you're always going to have aphids and those kind of things. So it's perfect things to, to be able to put them out there and keep them cleaned up. How many do you think are in that little egg 
pouch. It's, it looks like a little cocoon, really. Look, well, there's anywhere from like maybe 60 to 100 in the little egg in there. I just worry about keeping those as pets inside. You're going to wake up one morning and it'll be, it'll be just, you'll open your eyes and you'll look up and there'll be one standing on your pillow right next to you. <laughs> you know what, what in the fall, what's the biggest question we get people asking us about that they have the EBGBs about? Uh, oh, um, all those stupid maple, yeah, maple bugs. I was going to say those bugs. stupid bugs are all over the, the maple house. Maple bugs, That's right? right yeah. So if you got maple trees, release some of these in the maple tree, and they'll just go and hunt and hunt and hunt and all, all summer long and take care of a lot of them. Now, this isn't a, a, a problem that's going to create another problem, though, right? No, like once will not survive the winter here in right. Saskatchewan. So, so they'll, they'll go attack the things yeah. that you want to get rid of, but then they're going to be kind of gone anyways, yeah. right? So they kind of do duty for us in their history. Exactly. Well, that's unless, all right. unless you bring them in the house and curl up with them at night. So. <laughs> Put them on some of your house plants. Yeah, they're, they're creepy looking. Okay, let's go to Prince Albert right now and we'll talk to Lorraine. Good morning, Lorraine. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I called you last week about my fern leaf peony because the tubers are exposed and you suggested that I cover them with soil. Well, I haven't covered them yet because I can't get underneath there because the plant is too big. But I have another problem. Uh, it has lots and lots of buds, but the buds are not opening. Okay, it could just be stressing it because those roots are exposed. Um, it doesn't like necessarily the heat or the cool on those, like the, the extreme temperature changes on those roots. So if you can even pile up some mulch around the base or something, just push it around the base. You can even remove some of those bottom leaves if you want. But you want to try with your peonies, especially when they're in bud and bloom, and to not disturb the root system yeah, as much and as don't, possible. And don't put the mulch too high up on the stems, though, either, though, because yeah. you'll rot the stems. So. Just, just, um, it also, the t- nighttime temperatures haven't been that warm yet for them to really open up anyway. So, I mean, you're still got lots of time yet. Yeah, but I have a, a, a pink one and it's, it opened all, all its buds. Oh, just the red one didn't. No, yeah. the red one didn't. Uh, could they have ha- had a touch of frost or something? Uh, they, they could have, or just like said, there might be some kind of a stress around it that they're just not wanting to open up. Yeah, and and it's still early. I have a ton of peonies that have lots of buds on them too, and some of them just open a few weeks from each other. So then I should just make sure I cover up those tubers. Yeah, cover up those tubers. Just put some soil around the base and get in there with your hands and, yep. and sort of just have just, a closer look at yep. the roots there. Just make sure that you don't overwater. That's the biggest thing right now, okay? Just keep them moist but don't, not wet. Okay. Thanks, Thanks, Lorraine. Thanks Thanks for calling. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. 1-877-332-8255. We're going to get to uh, Les and Corning, one of our usuals. We're going to get to his text, uh, or I should say his call after this. And Ron Lestock, another another, uh, usual caller for Garden Talk. A couple of regulars are coming on here. So, guys, hang on. We're going to get to your calls as soon as we get back. And we will get to that uh, text line as well. We've got a text from who? Let's see. Cooper in Watson talking about the zucchinis, uh, mushrooms in the lawn with Joanne and Esteban. Uh, We've got Colleen in Dalmany. Text from Martinsville and a few more as well. So we'll get back to all that in a second. I'm Jay Thomas, the Brick and Jill Van Dyven Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Thanks for joining us here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. This is Garden Talk, and I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyven Dyke, the experts who can help you with your problems. I'm just here to sort of, you know, Jay, you're <laughs> fill becoming, in the gaps. You're becoming an expert, though. <laughs> 
Coming. That's that's nice of you to say. I've I have picked up some stuff. Maybe maybe a little bit. You've just, been in the garden world long enough. Just to, a tiny we're bit. Getting you there. <laughs> slowly, slowly. Okay, uh, we're gonna take some calls. We're gonna get to our text line, which has been filling up uh, consistently here. So we will get to those in a second. But hey, we got people waiting on the phone line, so we got to go to those first. Let's go to Corning and talk to Les. Good morning, Les. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Um, see, I've got a rosalia. It was gift to my wife. Um, back at Mother's Day, and it was, uh, it's a pink rosalia, and it was blooming fantastic, and, uh, well, as a, we repotted it, we got it out of that little tiny pot, and it was so root-bound. You were probably watering it like crazy. Yeah, and, uh, we put it into a little bit bigger pot, not much, about two inch bigger. Perfect. And, uh... Now the blooms are just starting to fall off. Do you deadhead this like a rose bush, or do you uh, just let them fall off naturally? Because I do see that where the blooms are falling off, there's another new growth going to grow on that stem. So what should I be doing? Yes, you can deadhead them kind of like you would a a geranium, actually. So just pull off those blossoms. And underneath, there's almost like a brown papery part underneath the blooms. You can pull that off, too, and that's the seed. So just like with any of those plants, if you pull the seed off with it, it's going to be like, oh, no, i got to do this over again, and it will continue to bloom for you. Also, make sure you fertilize, and um, you can fer- switch to a fertilizer that maybe has a little bit more of the middle number, so a 15-30-15 fertilizer. Okay. And uh, if it's indoors, you're not going to be watering as much as it's outdoors, so you can maybe do that every two to three weeks, and uh, that will help promote reblooming. And make sure it's in a nice, hot, sunny window, too. And, and something you're going to need, to is they, they like their soil being a little bit on the acidic side. And, are, and are, uh, where are you calling from? Corning. Corning. So we're down... Yeah. Towards Stoughton. Yeah, so you, I don't know what your what your water's like there, but uh, but if it's a more of an alkaline, you know, like a higher pH water, right? Then you're gonna that you're watering either your tap or your well or whatever you have, then you want to add some aluminum sulfate, just a you know like a two or three finger pinch every once in a while around the plant, just okay. to lower that pH because azaleas won't bloom at a higher pH. They got to be more at a seven, okay? But if your pH is up around eight, you know, then it won't bloom either. So. And right. one thing just to remember is it is a flowering plant, so it does need to take a break. And sometimes it will take a two to three month break and then it will start blooming again for you. So um, so you can keep it blooming. It will keep blooming as long as there's buds there, but then it will need to have a little bit of a resting period as well. Right. And uh, a rosalia, like we've got it outside right now. It's not in the ground. It's just in a pot. Perfect. But... Uh, they aren't a winter keeper for our area. Nope. No, we definitely. It and in. it's one of those ones that you'll want to bring in when the nighttime temperatures get colder than 10 degrees. Okay. Um, and outside, I would say your blooms would last longer if it's more on the east side of the house than on a south or a west. A south or a west, the blooms are just going to bloom out so quickly for you. Okay. okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, we kind of got it on our deck right now, and it's kind of gets the morning sun, but that's about it. That's probably the perfect location for it. Okay. Good job. You're doing well. Okay, you're right on. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks for Les. calling. Have a great day. Talk you to you as again. well. Bye. 
one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. So yeah, it's great. That's a great call. It's it's going well for him. Awesome. Uh, we've got still time to get to a few more calls, a few more texts before our news update coming up here. So let's go to talk to Ron. I've always wanted to say this on the air because Ron's been a regular caller, and I was going to say let's let's talk in, in less talk because that's where Ron is from is less talk. So <laughs> let's talk in less talk. Hi, Ron. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I I uh, got a couple questions. Uh, I got somebody to pick up honey and bulbs for me, and one of the packs was these multipliers, like, and it's got ten bulbs in a pack. So is that like garlic where you have to split it up and plant them separate or what? No, you can plant them. You can plant them whole if you want, like okay. that, or you can you can split them up too. But I would just at this I time of the with year, the multipliers. with this time of the year, I just plant them where they are. And what do they do? Like make a bunch of little onions around yep. it? Or? Yeah, make a bunch of onions with it, and yeah, your multipliers will be a, a nice onion. You'll enjoy that. Okay. You'll like it. And I don't know how much you know about earthworms, but, you know, you, you got your little basic four-inch fat ones in the garden. Yeah. But I was out in the bush looking for more else, and this big tree fell over by the slough, and I was looking at this rock, and then these earthworms coming out that were over six inches long. <laughs> 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 yeah, you you can get some big ones, uh, and uh, even even night crawlers and those kind of things are are huge, right? So, um, but I'll, you know, they're they're good for the garden, except for if you get too many of them, then they actually make your garden so that it's almost hard because it dries it out so much, you know. Oh, okay. But uh, but other than that, uh, they'll make good uh, they make good fish food for you to yeah, catch yeah. the fish with. Good bait. <laughs> good, bait. good bait. Yeah, that's right. All right, thanks. Okay. Thanks, Ron. Thanks Take for care. Calling. Bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Okay, let's go to the text line. We've got a few that have come in. Uh, this is the first one. It's from Cooper, who's in Watson. Says, "Hi guys, my zucchini uh, isn't coming up. It was planted a week and a half ago. Everything else is up, but the zucchini is not. Should I wait, or is it too late for the plant?" I'd wait a few more days, maybe two or three more days, but zucchini usually will come up pretty quick. You can always dig up one of the seeds, you know, and just see if the seed has sprouted mm. at or, all, or, or whether it just went mushy too, mm-hmm. right? So, um, but zucchini um, does come up not quite as quick as a cucumber, but it does come up quite quick. So if you dig down, you should be able to see some of the seeds sprouting. If not, I'd reseed those. Okay, so there's still time though, yep. right? There's still time, and we do carry zucchinis in the garden center as a started plant too. So if you wanted to get a kickstart and add a couple weeks onto it, and, then you can pick up a. Transplant as well, yeah, and there'll be a lot of gardens, and there's a lot of greenhouses right across Saskatchewan that'll still have fish yeah. like that. So. Exactly, perfect. Uh, Joanne, who's in Estevan, says, "What can I do to get rid of mushrooms in my lawn?" Mushrooms in the lawn, there's no chemical for it, right? So basically, what you do is they're feeding on something. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're feeding on either built-up thatch that you got in your in your grass, or it might be an, an old root, a dead root. Or it could even be just a building, an old building products, like an old piece of two by four, a piece of plywood, or whatever, or something. And they like it moist too. Or organic. They're growing in some organic. So mm-hmm. there's two ways you can do it. One is you, you can just leave the the um, the mushrooms there because they're eating away. Or otherwise, you can do is you can poke holes in into the ground right where the mushrooms are. Okay. Okay. Add some add some fertilizer if you wish, and in those areas, and some water and air. By aerating, you're putting air. Which is help everything's helping to decompose it, and you can also add in those areas some compost uh, accelerator, and oh. that will help break down whether it's a root or whatever down there a lot quicker. Do the same stuff you'd put in your compost bin, okay? And it'll just help break whatever's down. Once you get rid of what's once you get rid of what's there, then the mushrooms won't grow there anymore. 
Okay. Yeah, I have an area in my yard. I can tell like they've taken all the trees out of my yard and they've just sawed it over top. And wherever there used to be a tree, I have um, mushrooms mushrooms growing up there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's parts of the roots left. Okay. So I hope that helps you out there, Joanne. Uh, We've got uh, Dee in Elbow and Paul in Saskatoon. A couple calls coming up. We're going to talk about rhubarb and hydrangea as well when we get back. And then back to the text line as well. Join the conversation. 1-877-332-8255. This is Garden Talk on 650C. KOM and 980 CJME. Nice blue sky, sunny day, at least where we are. <laughs> Hopefully the weather's looking good for you too. Enjoying the weekend and welcome to Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendijk. And we've got a couple calls to get to and we've got some text to get to as well. We've got lots of them to talk about. So we will keep going with our, our information here. So uh, this is actually a, a kind of a question. It's not exactly the same question I have, but I'm interested to hear the answer. So we're going to go to Elbow right now and talk to D. Good morning, D. Good morning. How are you folks? Very good. Very good. Yes, I have a hydrangea that's about three years old, located northwest corner of the deck. Yep. Um, it was coming so beautiful, leaves it lift out the flower buds were starting, and all of a sudden I've got the leaves are curling under. Now, I've done a few things. I've Googled uh, what to do. They say it needs phosphorus, so I gave it a little bit of 24 Six eight sixteen, okay. and um, because it's on the northwest and we're sort of sloped, it, the I dug down about two inches, and the it's fairly damp, so I have not watered it this spring yet. Okay, uh, and I just sprinkled that fertilizer around the top. Now, is there something else, and and why is it doing this? Okay, for if it's if it's curling under, look for two things. One is. Um, is look for insects, okay? Either either spider mite or aphid, okay? Yeah. That's good to watch if they're if whenever they're cupping or curling, always look for those two things, okay? Spider mite or aphid. And sometimes you just need to take a magnifying glass because you can't see spider mite otherwise. They're just small. No, or just, I've, I've looked and I can't find anything, okay. but it it's curled so tight that it's almost like a a little spiral. So if it curled, if it curled that tight, that usually is um, two things. You sometimes is a, almost like a psyllid, which is like an aphid, mm-hmm. or otherwise it is it's a mite. Okay, that everyone curls it really tight. Okay, so okay. take and that that's the problem is that if it's that, then it's it's uh, then what did you use? Have you sprayed it with anything? I haven't sprayed it. Just sprinkled a twenty four eight sixteen. Yeah, I, I would I would tend to. Take your magnifying glass if you have one and take a closer look. Open that leaf up and take a closer look, which okay. you might be able to see there. Look okay. at that first, and if, it, if you find that there's a mite in there, then you'll uh-huh. need to, when they're that curled up, you, you, you almost can't spray them anymore, right? So oh, you, just, you can spray them, but you can get whatever you can, but the ones that are inside, you just can't get, right? Right. So you might have to actually pull some of the, just carefully just trim off with your scissors those little really, really tight ones. Uh-huh. And then that way you can um, that way you can let new growth come up because you put the fertilizer on, you'll get new growth up now that it's warming up, especially nighttime temperatures. And then you'll get some new growth coming out, okay? And then that way you'll hopefully get some more flowers and that kind of stuff. But if they're not curled up, you can't you can't get the spray inside of them. You just can't. So what if, type of spray am I supposed to use? Um, if it's mites, you're going to have to use malathine, okay? If it's, if it's an aphid or something like that, you can just use something like a, a pyrethrin, okay? Okay. 
And uh, so you can use either one of those, uh, but uh, but you have to uncurl one of those leaves and take a magnifying glass and see what it, what it is. It take me a month of Sundays because it's quite big, but uh, yeah. I was, I'm so disappointed because yeah. it was coming so nice. Yeah, and then also check your moisture a little bit deeper too and see if it's really wet down below, and you might have to take a piece of rod or something like that and poke some holes and put some oxygen in the soil. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Rick. Okay. We'll try that. Yep. Right. Have a good day. You too. Thanks, D. one 332 8255 in Saskatoon. Paul is going to join us now talking about rhubarb. Good morning, Paul. Morning, everybody. Um, morning. Yeah, is it too late to, um, like my neighbor is looking for some rhubarb. I've got a big rhubarb. Is it too late to cut a hunk out of there? Yeah, it's got big leaves already. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you want to do that early spring or or late fall is even, the best. Time even to rhubarb do it. I like doing early spring even better than late fall. You can do it late fall if you mulch it, you know, for the wintertime. Yeah. But uh but right now you do it now, yeah. It's the great big leaves, it's just gonna it's it's not gonna be a good thing. If you do wanna try it, I would just I wouldn't dig up the whole plant. I would just take a slice off the side. But with those big leaves you'll watch they'll just wither up and die. Yeah, I gave them a whole bunch yesterday. I'll just keep on feeding them yep. rhubarb just, all summer. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's the, that's even the better way you're doing it, right? And then a rhubarb plants, you want to be separating them. Like usually you want to divide them about every six years to keep them nice and full so yep. that they're not going to start um, like getting, a, a, getting old. What, what I call a heart, heart rot, which yeah. means rot in, in the center of the plant. Yeah, well, I had a big thing come out of the middle like uh, last year. Like it was like a long tube. It was almost like a seed top. Yep, the seed, yeah, that's right. So that when they, when you start getting those kind of things, that's a good time to be. Then you got to realize the next spring you want to you want to dig it up and cut that thing in four. And now you uh-huh. can, now you get lots of friends. That, you got three extra friends right, and you cut up in four. <laughs> okay, beautiful. Well, we do that in the springtime, right? Yep, exactly. As soon as the frost out of the ground. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much for your time, you guys. You're welcome. Thanks, Paul. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. That is the text line as well. So we're going to go to the text line right now, and this is Colleen in Downey. We, you know, we were going to talk about this anyways. Does Dutch growers still have bees available to purchase? Yeah, leafcutter bees. Yes, we do. Leafcutter bees are great. One of the best pollinators, more efficient pollinator than almost any of the bees around. And uh, they'll, they'll once you get them into the yard, you just make a, you know, they they nest in these little tubes. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Almost if, if you had uh, an old patch of raspberries. Yep. You know, the raspberries are hollow in, this, in the center. Right. You could even cut some raspberries and tie them into the bundle, and that's a great nest for them if you want to do something just out of the yard. Or you can get some little uh, pieces of, uh, they're almost like straw, like paper straws. Mm-hmm. You can do that too with paper straws. And because if, if what they have to do is they, they, they put their nest eggs inside those tubes, they put them, they stack them. All the way along, so when they when they hatch, they want to be able to get out. Ah, okay, right. And so if you do paper, then one can just chew out the side of the paper if it wants to get out, right? right? In case the other one is not out in time in first. So, but most time they hatch all about the same time. So, so leaf cutter bees do they like do they cut do they cut off leaves? Like no, it sounds uh, yeah, that's their name that you're going to do harm to your yard. Are not they? not really. Nope. They'll they'll do a little bit, but gathering some for for putting in their nest, but not very much and. Uh, but what the biggest thing is is that they're like the the way they're the way they're I would call fur or whatever in their bodies. Yep. They're very efficient. I mean, they use leafcutter bees to to trip alfalfa to to be able to basically pollinate alfalfa. Mm, okay. And you'll see these these blue or orange um, like almost like bee huts. You'll see these plastic huts out in the middle of a field in in perfect rows. 
Well, those are all leaf cutter bees. Okay, so they're, they're very efficient. They put them out there, those farmers, when they're trying to get alfalfa to seed, when they're trying to make seed, new seed you right. know, for harvesting. And so they're not going to cut that alfalfa for hay. They're actually growing it for seed. So they're still a Dutch growers? We have lots yes. of them right now. Excellent. Okay. Next text is from Martinsville and we're from Irene. She says, good morning. Really enjoy the show. I do vermicompost, V-E-R-M-I. Yep. Compost. Yes. With red wiggler worms. Red wiggler worms. The liquid tea from vermicompost for plants, veggies, and flowers. Does it have to be diluted? Um, not really. You nope. don't have to. You can dilute it if you want to make it go farther, but uh, you can just go. It's all organic, right? So there's not going to be high levels of anything in it. So explain to us what vermicompost is. Vermicompost is composting with worms. So some people, you can actually have them right inside your house if you want, and then if or you can put it out in the deck in the summertime, but some people will even vermicompost inside their so house. So you put your compostable stuff inside yep. there, yep. and there's worms going around through it. Yeah, I know. You got the EBG. We just, the, okay, but does it, does it speed they, up the compost? They, they don't get out, right? No, they, just, no. they stay in the, in the compost. Oh, well, big time speed up the compost. Okay. Huge. So it makes compost quick. Way faster. Yeah, okay. and a lot of um, a lot of places will actually have compost clubs, like in the in the city, and compost coaches. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah, Saskatoon has one. And so, if you're wanting to get into composting, somebody will actually come to your home and they will teach you how to compost. Or um, there's lots of different groups that you can go to and learn more about composting. So, yeah, go to the city of Saskatoon's website. They've got lots of composting on and, there. And we even have bags. We sell we sell worm castings. Yes. And that's the same thing. You're making worm castings, right? And the worm castings are huge in all kinds of organic matter that, that is just amazing. All the bacteriums to make your plants grow like crazy. Uh, Marie from Thompson Lake on the text line. We have a 12-foot Saskatoon trees. Saskatoon mm, berries. Nice yep. Can we trim those trees down and when would be the best time to do that? Okay, best time to do that is in early spring, so in March okay. or the first week of April. Because you're going to do a major trimming, probably down to back down to six feet or something like that, because mm-hmm. the berries are all at the top. But you're not going to do that this time of the year. Mm, okay? okay, so I, 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 you can do it also at the end of October once the leaves fall off, uh, or otherwise in March or the first week of April. All right, we're going to come back to the text line in a second. Talk about Lindsay's text, uh, a clematis, uh, Linda in Regina. Who else? So many more. Tony in Saskatoon, Hazel in Saskatoon, Bonnie as well. We'll get back to these texts when we get back. Stick around. More to come on Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Can't believe we're almost done the first hour of Garden Talk already, but there's still lots of time if you want to get your call in. one 332 8255 I'm Jay with Jill Rick Van Dyvendyke. Welcome back to the show. Now, uh, we're going to go to the text line in a second. One thing here I want to yep. talk about. I, we brought, I brought up some fertilizer with me. Now, for those people that didn't get their fertilizer in the garden earlier or you know they don't, can't find some alfalfa pellet tea or whatever, there's another product out there you can find. You might be able to find it in different garden shops around Saskatchewan. It's called Garden Pro. It's called Veggie and Flower. And one thing good about this thing, it's a 10, 15, 19 with microbes. So it has all kinds of things like uh, sulfur it has, which is a big one for a lot of vegetables. Magnesium, iron, zinc, uh, manganese, boron, and, it's, and it also has kelp in it. So it's a great one that it's a slow release fertilizer. You can put on, mm. you can band it down either with your, for your flowers in your pots or you can band it down your vegetable um, rows and it slow releases and then gives you all those micronutrients to have better tasting and more vibrant and more disease resistant plants when you put all that type of uh, organics in there. I didn't use that one exactly, but I did use a slow release fertilizer yeah. on my hostas when we, they kind of just can come up. We cleaned up the flower bed around yeah. them. <laughs> No word of the lie. 
They are this big. They're huge. And I'm putting my arms up because they are maybe <laughs> two feet across yeah. each Amazing. plant. They are gigantic. I'm like, holy smoke, they're taking over the whole place. Amazing. Yeah, they're gigantic. Well, when you it set, works. When you set the banquet table and you have someone who just constantly eats, what happens, right? <laughs> they get kind of fat. They get kind of big. <laughs> now, Jay, so, one thing that I want to mention, too, because this is a vegetable fertilizer, um, I'm in my, my late 30s, and so a lot of my friends who I went to high school with, they're starting to garden yeah. now. And so I get texts and, and stuff all the time to my Instagram <laughs> and Facebook from some people I haven't heard from since high school. This morning, I actually woke up to a text from, uh, from a gentleman I went to high school with and he's just started his first vegetable garden this year and he's just really excited but he wanted to know um jill like do i just seeded do i keep them wet do i keep them moist all the time so that's just like there's there's so many things that new gardeners don't know um but yes you want to keep your seeds nice and moist until they start germinating Mm -hmm. so that was kind of a fun question this morning to wake up to yeah an old friend you don't want to forget the sprinkler on overnight or anything like that no but But just like you're germinating them in the seed tray in your garden you want to keep that soil moist until you start seeing them germinate and like like anything water in the morning too Okay. Try not to water at night because then the water sits there and you don't have the moist, you don't have the, last night we had wind all night, but normally you don't have the wind, you don't have the sun to dry off the leaves, especially if they just sprouted up. Okay. Yeah. So always water with your grass or your shrubs or your garden, water in the morning, that's the best time. Yeah. This means you got to get up earlier to turn the sprinkler on though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's and I don't want to get out of bed. <laughs> Okay, let's go to the text line. Uh, Lindsay's in Saskatoon says, I'm wondering if clematis is hardy for our winters. I bought a couple, but I was looking them up, and they say zone four. So there is clematis, some varieties of clematis that are hardy and some that are not. Ah, okay. Um, some of them, they will bloom off the old wood and some of them off the new wood. So that's why it's really important to... Clematis is one of those ones that I wouldn't necessarily pick up at a box store. I would go to your garden center. Um, we make sure that we are picking and choosing the varieties that are just hardy to Saskatchewan. Um, so make sure you're looking for that. There is, if you're looking at the clematis, there's like they, they rate them according to like, um, A, B, C, and D, depending on their hardiness and then how they, um, how to prune them and how they grow off their old wood. So um, how they bloom off their old wood. So make sure you're looking at at those things too. Um, and, and also just make sure you mulch on the base of, of the clematis because what happens, they like hot tops yes. but cool roots. Okay. So either plant another little plant at the base of them to shade the, 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 uh, the soil or put some mulch in. And the mulch will also make some of those, like the jackmanite, which is almost a zone four, but if you put some... But they die down to the ground every year. But if you put a bit of mulcher on the base, they'll, they'll they'll survive the winter, not a problem. Now we are zone two to three here in Saskatchewan. But if you have them right next to a house or something like yeah. that, you can sometimes create a little microclimate by mulching them, putting a box of leaves or something yeah. around them in the winter time. And a lot of times we call them gardeners' challenge. But you can grow up to a zone four in Saskatchewan. So no problem. Basically, Lindsay, give it a try. Yeah, you've got the plant you bought already. Just, so just mulch them. You mulch it and give it a try and. Let's see if Maybe it'll work. work. And yeah. if it doesn't, then, you know, the other solution is, you know, yeah. Try, try again with a, a different variety. Beautiful oh, Jack Manny's growing on the side of the windmill at Dutch Growers, yeah, and, and they've, they're have they gorgeous every year. And they just mulch themselves with leaves every year. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing they do, and they, they come up every year perfectly. Perfect. Well, there you go. Uh, this is from who? Lin- uh, Linda in Regina. I've got a mock orange shrub. It's about eight years old. It's become quite scraggly. Yes. How much can I trim back after it's done blooming? Uh, you do a light, you can do, you can do a light trimming. If you do a major trimming, um, 
like what I like doing is I like to take a year off and do a major trimming when it's dormant. Hey. But you can reach into there's a lot of dead little sticks. They got lots of there lots of multiples twigs coming straight up. So you can reach in and cut all the dead ones out. That'll thin it out. That's a lot of times all you just need to do. But otherwise, if you want to do a major trimming, you might have to take a little bit of a break from some of the blooms at the top just by trimming it down if it's six feet tall or eight feet tall and you want to bring it down to four feet. Mm-hmm. You, if you're going to do it that that aggressively or down to three feet, then you should do it when it's dormant and then take a year off of the blooms. Okay, there you go. Uh, this is who? Don't know. Uh, oh, sorry. Tony in Saskatoon. <laughs> I should read. Something is eating my beets. They just germinated, and the leaves are gone as soon as they pop out of the ground. It happened last year. It's happening again this year. He says, I'm addicted to this show. (laughs) Thanks, Tony, for listening. The biggest biggest issue we have right now, you're going to have that with alyssum. You're going to have that with beets. You're going to have that with radishes is, is the flea beetle. Oh, oh, okay. And they'll fly in and they'll they'll demolish really, really fast. Yeah, almost and, uh, overnight. Just almost, and you just got to be able to put, basically just put a crop cover over top of them is the best way because they fly in until the canola crops pop up, you know, which is going to be soon. And then they'll head to canola crops. Sorry, farmers. But, uh, <laughs> but right now they, they go into the city because there's no canola up right now. So so Tony can put a cover over that those beets as they're coming up. They're still yep. going to send more, right? Yep. Like it's just because just one set yep. comes doesn't yep. get toast, no, right? Yeah. Well, most times they'll, Unless they'll send it's eaten it like right, right to down the ground, then, then it might be done. Just to just reseed. There's a lot of time yet. Okay, yeah. so it's time for beets. Yeah. They're yeah. using the time yeah. enough to grow. And right? you can even get beets as a transplant too in the greenhouse. Ah, okay, right. Okay, but so, but so, put a little crop cover over top of them, and and that'll just protect them from the flea beetles. Not all hope is lost, Tony. Yeah. Just uh, just follow that. Uh, Connie's got a call with us. We're gonna get to your call, Connie, as soon as we get back from the break because we gotta go right about now. But we're gonna talk about shrubs that can be put in a flower bed. So we'll go over some of those ideas. Cool. So Connie, hang tight. We'll get to your call as soon as we get back. Hazel in Saskatoon, another call from another uh, Bonnie this time. Uh, Gladys in Prince Albert, Doug in Dinsmore, Judy in Saskatoon. Lots of texts coming up. We'll get back to the, all that when we get back. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Here we go, hour number two of Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Looking like a pretty nice day around Saskatchewan. We're thinking that we're going to see some temperatures overnight finally climb into a decent rain. I can finally stop hauling all of my plants inside every stinking night. You sure can. Your New Guinea impatience, your ferns, all of those plants, those tropicals, hibiscus. That's what I bought, all of that. <laughs> you and can I've been put moving them outside. Them. I got strong arms just for moving them every night, man. There oh, you man. go. Your workout routine is complete. <laughs> so you got your garden in. So what are you doing this afternoon? There's something going on. I'm, going to, I'm going to a car show. So you out to Pike Lake? Jay's Pike. going to a car show. Can you imagine that? <laughs> the Pike Lake. The Pike Lake. If you, if you this, want a nice, nice drive out into the country, yeah, this is a lot of fun. It's a nice one if you're in Saskatoon area. Pike Lake Fun Run. It's put on by the Coachman Club out of Saskatoon, yep, yep. and it's a family friendly event. There's Tons of old cars, new cars. That whole parking lot's full of old cars. It's, it's exact, exactly. Yeah. So if you're looking for something to do around the Saskatoon area, family thing, just yeah. go for a drive out to Pike Lake. Really nice road out to Pike Lake. If you haven't been down that road in a long time, Pike it's kind of windy. Road. That's right. Valley Road leads yep. out there, too. And then, yeah, come check out the cars. There's usually a barbecue, a band going on. There's a yep. raffle, some fun stuff. So yep. And there's some great hikes to do out there with the family, yes. too. And there's uh, you can stop at their uh, information center, and they have like little backpacks with... like. Um, little geocaching kits mm. or go look in the slough kits and find some interesting bugs or go some bird watching or so there's lots of different things yeah. that you can do there. There's also one, I remember this from my childhood, there's one kind of day camping spot at Pike Lake and I can't quite remember where it is, but if you search for it, you can find it. And near the back of the camp spot is a huge uh, sand dune. 
Oh, yeah. And it's kind of hidden in the bushes, yeah. but you can find it. And it's uh, like a huge sand hill. And you, uh, You're kids bringing have... your crazy carpet and going to go exactly. sand, <laughs> sand sliding. Exactly. It's fun for kids for ages. They have that out at Diefenbaker, too. Oh, really? By Diefenbaker, out by uh, Douglas Park, they have sand dunes out there. Yes. So it's a little bit of walk in, but it's so much fun. So lots to do if you want to come see some cars, but do some other fun stuff outdoors as well. So there you go. All right. We're going to get to text in a second, but of course, we've got to go to the calls that are waiting and waiting patiently in Saskatoon is Connie. Good morning, Connie. Good morning. How are you guys? Good morning. Very good. Uh, Quickie question. We're um, just developing some uh, flower beds, re-landscaping our yard. And two questions. Um, Can you get any type of a plant, for example, a boxwood that is, uh, tight, um, and that would be resistant to our temperatures. Uh, not boxwood, for sure. No. Not boxwood won't survive. If you want something that looks close to boxwood, get a yes. get a globe carragana. Now, okay. I I know I said carragana, but it's a globe carragana. It only gets about four feet round. Round, okay. Stays almost in a round shape all by itself. Tough as nails. I have them on either side of my step because I have a spot where I just can't even grow cedars there, and I wanted a ball look, and these look awesome right there. Oh, sounds good. I did a um, dwarf honeysuckle, too, and that was nice yeah, It's well. called a mini globe honeysuckle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mini that globe. works as well. A mini globe honeysuckle. honeysuckle. Okay, and question number two, um, we have some Brandon cedars. Now, I'm not sure if they're Brandon's, but they're like the junipers, the upright cedars. Yep. Um, and they're... Um, ours is, they're just struggling every year. I, I baby them, you know, treat them for spider mites, uh, I do the evergreen fertilizer every two weeks. Now, I'm not sure if it's the type of cedar that we have, but is there a, a specific type of cedar that might be resistant to spider mite? Um, no, there's none resistant to spider mite, but there's, but there's some that are, that are more like a hardier for our zone, right? And the two that I like is one is, is called Skybound. It's an improved Brandon because the Brandon cedars all got mixed up. They're, nobody knows whether it's Pyramidellas or Brandon anymore, it seems like. But the Skybound is a, a, a tough, um, like made in the prairies out in Manitoba, uh, developed there, they found it there. And the other one, so that's more six feet wide and pyramidal up. And the other one is... Um, is Homestrup, and Homestrup is another tough one, which is more four feet wide and goes more of a little of a point to the top of it rather than a square box. And but if you got a really sunny spot, then start looking at a juniper like a Medora or a Wichita juniper, and they can take the sun a bit better. And then you, they also are tougher to to be able to take for things like spider mite and those kind of things because. Uh, and spider mite won't like the junipers quite as much because they're a dry land where, so they don't need as much moisture where they like, they, of course, when you keep the cedars more moist, there's lots of saps and everything else that the, that the mites can feed on. So, um, but otherwise, yeah, no, just, um, just wa- watch for that. What are you spraying for your spider mite? Jeez, um, something that I mix up, I'm not sure if it's, uh, I always get the two products, Ambush maybe? Yeah, ambush is not going to work on spider mite very good, okay? Yeah. So if you want to really bring your populations down, hit them two times the malathion and do it about about 14 days apart, okay? And do that in the month of June. And then you'll have way better success of bringing your numbers down because uh, pyrethrin doesn't really affect spider mite that much. It's great for aphids and other crawling insects, but not yeah. that great for spider mite. Okay. I appreciate you taking the call. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks You're welcome. Thanks, Connie. Take care.
1-877-332-8255. Over to the text line, Helen in Miota says, Good morning. We haven't had rain for a couple of weeks. Should I be watering the Saskatoon berry bushes? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If it hasn't rained for a couple of weeks, you want to at least give them a watering at least once a week, uh, equivalent up to an inch of rain. Okay. Okay. Just think about that. Equivalent inch of rain. And you can take your rebar and stick it in around them and just see what your soil's like as yeah. well in that area. Very good call, Jill. Yeah, the rebar is awesome because there's ribs on the sides. So you can poke it down 12 inches down, bring it up, and see mm-hmm. what the subsoil moisture is like. There you go. Okay. Uh, this is Christine on a farm near Craig. Says, just wondering if a purple robe locust tree would grow in Saskatchewan or recommend a nice interesting specimen tree for our backyard okay so um locusts will grow in sheltered areas so older areas of the city where there's other bigger trees around mm, okay it'll do fine a farm out in the middle of nowhere no probably not sorry okay you could try one that's called prunus macchii if you want more of a nicer looking diff- different type of tree okay it's a tough tree and it's called a not an amir mac uh, not an amir mackey an amir macchii Okay. okay, it's a little, little different, a little wispier. If you want to see when you ever come to the garden center in, in Saskatoon, you'll see one right beside the windmill, right in front of the store. It's more of an open, wispier, and it's a pretty cool tree. It's on the on the city of Saskatoon tree walk because there's not very many in, in Saskatchewan. Okay. So the so. locust tree, it's got a round leaf and a pink flower early in the spring. Yeah. So if they want a different pink flower, what would you suggest? If they want pink flower, then go with mucka plum or go with a flowering crab. Those kind of things. And they know what? No fruit they can no go fruit. with? No fruit. You go with spring snow flowering crab, white, tons and tons and tons of white flowers, yep. but no fruit. There you go. Okay. So lots of options there, Christy, but uh, just, you know, maybe avoid the one yep. you were thinking about. So. Yeah, especially for a farm. Okay, perfect. Uh, Marie's and Watrous, our pine trees have died. Our big pines are losing their needles. Could it be from drought? Could be from drought. Could be from drought. Could be from mites. Could be from porcupine. It could be from... A uh, bunch of different things. Mm. Okay. The pines, you pretty much have to get a picture and get it diagnosed because it could be if it's going from the bottom up or the inside is, out or the it, top down. And is it a pine or is it a spruce? You know, those are the right. things you got to, you know, find out. So, so send a picture into info at Dutch Growers or grow at DutchGrowers.com and we can help you diagnose yeah. that. Okay, perfect. Absolutely. Courtney's in Saskatoon. If my Swedish aspen have insects that's making some of the leaves curl, do I have to deal with them or they it's will called, they harm the tree? Yeah, it's called leaf roller. And the leaf roller, if you uh, hit them early, as soon as you see the first leaf, hit them with an ambush. You might get some of them before they roll up the leaf. Once they roll up the leaf, there's nothing you can do. It won't kill the tree because the leaves are still connected to photosynthesis because the leaf is still there. Uh, but uh, it's just more cosmetic. Because she's wondering if she can just kind of leave it, ignore yeah, it, the if problem. It's, if it's cosmetic, uh, I wouldn't worry about it. Will it get bad enough it'll hurt the tree eventually, though? Uh, if every single leaf rolls up. So that, that's the problem. Now, what you want to do in those sort of situations, plant things like um, zinnias or coreopsis around the yard. They attract a parasitic wasp. And the parasitic wasps are the ones that will go after those type of bugs. Mm, okay. Okay. All right. So, Courtney, I guess it's not it's not over yet, but you may want to deal with the problem. Yep. She says, thank you and love the show. Thanks. Thanks, Courtney. I'm so excited that we're getting more beneficial insects in, and yep. I think we're going to see more and more come on the more market come. so that we can start. And, and there's beneficial insects that are naturally in, in, the, yeah. in the environment, but you just got to attract them to and the yard. And as we learn more about them, we'll learn yep. about what we have to plant nearby to do great companion planting. Yep. Exactly. Robert's uh, call is about cedars, and Wendy's call is about plum and apple trees. Guys, hang on the line. We'll get to back to your call as soon as we get back, but we got to go to a break. I'm Jay Thomas with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. We're zooming through the show. It's going quick. 
Welcome back to Garden Talk on 650CKOM and 980CJME. I'm with Jay and I'm with Jill and Rick, and we've got lots of calls and texts to get to, so a lot to talk about here. I think the first call, waiting the longest, I believe, is Wendy, who's in Swift Current. So we're going to go to Swift Current right now. Good morning, Wendy. Good morning. Good morning. Um, we live out on a on a farm out in the middle of nowhere, and we just bought two plum trees and two apple trees. And we would like to plant one apple tree in the front of our yard and the other three um, on the back side of the house yep. in the backyard. And we're just wondering, how do they... Do bees pollinate them, or do they bees, each other? To- bees pollinate. You get the best pollination when, you, when they're within sight. Okay? Okay. That that's when you get the best pollination. Now, I'm not saying that bees won't fly over top of the house to the other side of the house, right? right. But I mean, for for more sufficient, if the bees can see the if they if they can see the two plants close, they'll go back and forth, right? Okay. And the more they go back and forth, the more you'll get more fruit. Okay. So maybe okay. you want to plant a bow, a pair of each on a the front. A pair of each and pair of each in the front, and don't put one of each in the back. You know, like okay, put them in yeah. pairs together. Okay. Thank okay. you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Wendy. Take care. one yeah. 877 uh, Let's see. Next one, I believe, is Robert, who is in Regina. Good morning, Robert. Good morning. So you want to talk about your cedars, right? Yeah, I've got uh, some cedars. They're, they're about 15 feet high. Yep. And, and they're like in an L shape. And the one on the west end last year started to get weak. And this year, one of the branches is bent right over. It just doesn't seem to have any strength in it anymore. Yep. So what you want to do is that what I would suggest you do is that this um, either late summer, like in August or so, you can trim it down. Trim it down to so that you're down to, you know, about 12 feet tall, right? Yeah. Right? And then let it rejuvenate that top end again. And it'll do that because what probably happened is that something happened to damage it, whether it's wind or snow or something like that, and now made those branches weak. Okay. Yeah, I think it was when we had that snowfall, eh? Yeah. So something has made it just like, you know, yeah, it's made it the, the wood weak inside or broke the core or whatever. And so now you just need to trim that off. And, but you want to do right now, they're pushing a lot of saps up right now. You don't want to do it now because they're going to put most of their growth on in June. So you want to do it in August when all the saps go down and they're more dormant in August, and you could trim it down to, you know, down to again, you know, whatever ten, twelve feet or whatever you want to do, and now let that new growth in the next bunch of years to come up and refill yeah. that area up. I got it tied up to the fence now, but yeah. probably won't help. Eh? No, just trim it, just trim it, and let it regrow again. It'll be fine. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Robert. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five out to Clavette, which is near Saskatoon, to talk to Patricia. Hi, hi, Patricia. How are you? Oh, good. Thank you. I live out on an acreage near Clavette, and I have uh, twelve uh, Nanking cherries, about twenty years old, and they are hardly producing any green leaves. So I'm wondering, should I cut them right down? Should I pull them out? What should I do with them? Yeah, they're twenty years old. They they need rejuvenation, so they got all the old wood in them, right? Yeah. So what I would suggest you do is just just uh, fertilize them. Have you ever fertilized them at all, ever? Have you fertilized the plants at all? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, I would suggest give them some fertilizer right now, and just and just if you want, you can do a light pruning on the top, like cut about a twelve inches off the top end. Okay. Okay, for right now, fertilize them, and then what you're going to do is in the, in October or otherwise in the in March or the first week of April, of April next year. You're going to cut them in half. Oh, 
Okay. Like from the top down? From the top or? down. I want to trim the sides in, and I want to trim the top down, and I want to cut them down in half. And okay. then I'm going to rejuvenate them, and then they're gonna, you're going to get a lot more growth and a lot more uh, the plant will do a lot better. And make uh, sure you're March, fertilizing uh, often, too. Yep. First week of April. Okay. Yep. So right now you're going to fertilize it just to keep the, cause it, it plant, the plant it needs food. It's, it's out of energy. So I, okay. I want to just, I'm not going to cut it down because it's too late to cut it down that aggressively right now. Right. And, but I just want to keep it so that it's going to be healthy for the rest of the year. And then next spring or this late fall, I'm going to trim it down. Okay. And what kind of fertilizer? Uh, just use a 30, 10, 10, 20, 20, 20, whatever you have in the house. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. You're Thanks, welcome. Patricia. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. That's the number you call or you text. We can get I think one more call in here just before we got to go to our break. So Cody is in Vanskoy. Hi, Cody. Hi. Just uh, had a quick question about uh, Saskatoon's. A few weeks ago, you mentioned something about spraying them uh, after they bloom. After they I bloom. Believe, yep. I believe you mentioned uh, copper or yeah, bor- garden sulfur, maybe or Bordeaux copper spray or Bordeaux or not Bordeaux is the name of it, or otherwise the ingredients is copper spray. Okay, so I I have that. I use that for spraying my evergreens. Yep. Um, but I can't seem to find anywhere in the write up on there about how like kind of what mix ratios for Saskatoon's. Is there another? Plant that I could use as a similar comparison. You, you could use it. You could use a, There's some vegetables on there. You could do that. Okay. okay. Or you can just even use your evergreen. That'd be fine too. Okay. Same ratio as yeah, that. Okay. Same ratio as that. Okay. And just do it once now after they're done blooming. No, nope, that's good. Do it. Do it once now and do it again in 14 days again. Okay. Okay. And then one more quick thing. I have uh, two silver cloud maples. They're planted probably 30 feet apart from each other. One's totally leafed out. Yep. The other one just has green buds but they're just tiny and they're not pushing out do i need to do something to help that tree push those buds out or will they just come in time yeah they'll come a little bit later uh, but probe the soil and see what the moisture's like deeper down like 12 16 inches down so use a piece of rebar or whatever and probe the soil and just make sure it's not too wet and if it is too wet moisture the biggest thing you gotta remember about maples is that they don't want to shut down in the fall so it's always important never fertilize past july 1st for maples okay at all for maples and also slow down the watering after september 1st and then give them one last good watering at about the middle of october just to set them for winter time but slow down the watering get them to drop their leaves get the leaves to turn color if they go into the winter green you're going to have trouble in the winter time i lost a maple in my yard because of that it didn't shut down we had an underwater spring right by by it and so we actually had to put a pump in beside the tree in order to get it so that it didn't have as much water and it would shut down so so it doesn't need like an extra boost of fertilizer or anything you, you, right now. You can, you can if you want. And if I would, I would do if it's if it's having trouble like that. I would probably use something like um, I wouldn't use a thirty ten ten. I'd probably use more of a, a, a twenty 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 or even using a alfalfa pellet tea. You know, with all the other micronutrients in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'd probably do. Something with all the other stuff in it, other than just nitrogen. Because they're good. Okay. Thanks, Thanks Cody. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for the call. 
one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I think we can squeeze in. We got like a minute and a half, then a news update for everybody. Yep. Uh, this is from I'm not sure who, but we have a Valentine cherry tree, three years old, only a handful of berries the first two years, full of blossoms this year. Seems pretty well established. What type of fertilizer should we use when in bloom and when the fruit is developing? Nothing. Nothing. Nope. Use a fruit and berry in the spring. You could use it now still because there's a very low nitrogen. There's only like one or two nitrogen. It's fruit and berry, but it has all the other boron, magnesium, zinc, and everything else for mm-hmm. the plants. That's what you want to use for those. If you give them a thirty, if you give them a thirty ten ten or twenty twenty twenty, yeah, they'll say, you know what, I'm doing just good. I don't need to produce as many cherries. Ah, okay. So that's especially is true for the um, for the uh, Valentine for the cherry. Valentine. So it's so it's made by Dirt and Grow. Okay. It's made at a company out of Winnipeg, uh, Evolve, and it's called Fruit and Berry. Okay, there we go. Excellent okay. stuff. We're going to take a short break. Make sure you join the conversation. one 332 8255 A text from Gary. Anne. Uh, who else we got here? Marlene. We've got Stephen Gravelberg, Jamie and Watson, uh, Monica's text, and Julie's text. They're all coming up right after this break. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. Maybe a little bit breezy today, but, you know... Sun is shining, at Sun least for shining. most most parts of the province, and that feels pretty good. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. See the crops all starting to pop yeah. up now. The fields are starting to get green. It looks pretty cool. Wow, and, and the trees, right? Yeah. That's a big thing. It's yeah. like three weeks ago, it was sort of like, eh, yeah. you know, kind of brown still. Now she's green out yeah. there. In fact, there's very few left, right, that have left to green green up. Most nope. of them have greened up. There's some ash, some slow ash out there, but otherwise most of them are popping out now. Okay, cool. Uh, so we've got text to get to. Gary uh, asks, he's from Saskatoon, is it too late to put alfalfa pellets on your strawberries? Never. No, okay. Yep. Anytime you want. Yep. That's good to know. And in Saskatoon, uh, she says, I'd like to know if there's a lilac plant that will thrive and bloom in a shady area with a small amount of sun. Nope. No, the lilacs, they need at least eight hours of sunlight to bloom. They'll survive there, a little bit less foliage, but... uh but to bloom, you'll get very little amount of blooming if there's only that little of sunlight. They like it hot and sunny to bloom like crazy. Mm, okay. All right. Okay, so try. What try, could she do? What could she do in there? Think about things like um, hostas to give you lots of color, dale lilies, uh, uh, astilbes, or, you know, false spurry is another name for them. Yep. Uh, what other Jill could she put in there? Um, if she's wanting some low growing color in that purple. Goat, goat's she, beard. She could do goat's beard. It's white. Yep. Um, astilbe is kind of that uh, reddish pink color. Um, she could do burginia, which flowers early with a Her- pink flower. Herkera, coral bells, right? Coral bells. You get the color and the foliage with that. Yep. These are all more smaller plants. If you're yep. wanting something larger. And not larger, just green, not flowering though. Um, like you green. can put a globe cedar in there or things like that, yeah. right? And flowering, if you have enough sun in the morning sun, you could do a hydrangea in there too. If you get uh, like three, or, you have to at least four hours yes. of sunlight. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is from Marlene in Saskatoon. Do globe caragana or the globe honeysuckle that we talked about with a caller earlier, yep. do they send out runners or suckers? No. No? My, my caraganas are staying right where they are. They because are, a, a traditional caragana would, yeah. right? They, they can go a little bit wider, but not but, not like a traditional caragana. Okay. And my globe honeysuckle is like a nice little solid ball. It was perfect. Okay, yeah. so it never never changes that way. Good, great. Let's go to the uh, the phone lines because we've got uh, some phones have showed up here in Regina. Uh, Linda is waiting for us. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. Um, a question about garden vegetables. 
I planted peas. I've planted them three times now. And I had some up, not not a full row, but I had some up. I saw them. My husband saw them. We went two days later, and they're gone. Now, do flea beetles get into gardens? Oh, yes, big time. Big now, time. Now, do I have to get some of those icky things? <laughs> those uh, praying mantis. <laughs> icky things, I like well, that. Actually, for, for flea beetles, the praying mantis can't keep up to them, okay, because there are okay. just too many of them. You're better to put a crop cover over top of them, which is... It's basically like a for a row like that is it's 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 like an accordion. You open it up and it has all these little ring arches, uh-huh. and then it has a light white fabric over top of them, and okay. that that you can put that leave that up until the flea beetles are you know until they're done their little sequence for a bit, and it good, works okay. good for things like radishes. It works good for those kind of things as well. You know where you get the onion onion maggots. They'll stop Cabbage, that. Cabbage, bok choy, all of those all those kind plants. of leafy plants that get the the worms in them. Yeah, and, see, my onions and my garlic are doing really well, but they're in a different garden. Yep. I have my peas and beans and a Swiss chard and all that in, in another area. Yep. And I'm just wondering, are they going to get chomped? By, are they the kind of things that they go after? Yeah, well, usually the, you said the peas, though. Usually the peas, they go loose. Like the flea beetles, more like things like radishes and beets okay. and that kind of stuff. They don't like go after the peas quite as much unless there's nothing else around to eat. Okay? Sometimes you'll yeah. get a little rodent in there that will eat the peas. Get, you'll get well, a, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. I, I know we do have a rabbit, but we have a, uh, you know, a, white, a gauge fence around the yard, oh. and I'm just wondering if you can squeeze through something. But my, they're beside, like I've got a fence that goes up and my peas climb up and so do my cukes. Yep. And my cukes, the cuke plants are fine. It's just yep. the peas that are disappeared. So it could be even a, a, a vole or a vole in there as well. Okay, so look okay. for a vole. If, they just, if they're growing up and they just didn't rot up and fall over, you'd see the regular plant there. And so it's yeah. not a fungal, okay? So it's probably something that's, that's actually taking it away. So watch for a vole as well. Yeah, I haven't seen any lumps like usually with voles. You see the the. No, nope, that, that's dirt. a that's a mole. A vole oh, okay. is like a little mouse. Okay. Okay. Because well, my peas weren't even big enough to start climbing. They were just emerging, yep. and they were here one day. And I thought I've gone totally blind. And my husband said, "No, you haven't. <laughs> uh, they're gone." So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, watch, watch for those. Uh, you might have to put um like a, if you think you have a vole. Um, mm-hmm. Put a snap trap out there with some peanut butter and a raisin on it. To okay. Make sure the birds can't get at it. That's all. Okay. You know, put something yeah. over top of it. Sure. Uh, but other than that, if you think you have voles, that's the best way to get rid of them. Okay, doke. Okay. All right. Yep. Thanks, Linda. Thanks. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. All right, I'll do our next call. We'll get to that text line in just a moment. But out in Regina as well, Annette has been waiting to talk to us. Good morning, Annette. Good morning. Yes, um, I had so so much trouble with aphids. In my hibiscus and mandevilla. Yes. Okay, that's very and common. They love the new growth in that, those plants. Um, I always keep a little uh, in my toolkit some Endol on hand, and Endol is a, a safer soap product that you can spray on it. And sometimes I'm spraying every every 10, 10 to fifteen days um, on those plants on the new growth. Um, if you have ladybugs in your yard, it's really good to grab a few ladybugs and they, if you have a few ladybugs living on those plants, they'll clean them up and keep them clean all summer long. Well, you know, last year, uh, the soil, like I know aphids are, um, they, they're, uh, the eggs, they be, they're pregnant right away, aren't they? That's they correct. are, yeah. Yep. So what do I do? Do I throw the soil out and clean the pot? 
Um, it's not going to be so much in the soil. You, it is, it is good to transplant them every once in a while. But with my mandeville and my hibiscus plants, if you're keeping them over the winter, I'll actually, um, trim them right back or even defoliate the plant in the winter time. And that will get rid of a lot of the bugs, make them go dormant and then let them start fresh again in the spring. Don't bring them in the house with flowers on them. Pick the flowers off when you bring yeah, them in. And trim off the new growth. Okay. Well, I didn't keep them all winter. So the, the dirt just sat out and froze. Oh, okay. oh well, if the dirt the the plants just set out and froze, then uh, then the plant's not going to be viable. They need to come no, in. No, no, she's worrying about the aphids. I think oh, in, in, the soil, in the soil. In the soil. So it should uh, be fine. So yeah, you, you normally could do is I like anyways all the roots in the top part of the soils. I'll eliminate the top uh, four to six inches of the soil and put new soil in anyways, and that'll leave it. If there's anything there, that'll get rid of it anyways. Okay. Okay. That'll be perfect. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for the call. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Over to the text line, one 332 8255 I think our next one has come in from Stephen Gravelberg. He said, I seeded my yard earlier spring, in, in this spring. Uh, it's all new grass, playground grass, nine different seeds in the, in the mixture he used. Yep. But I have a weed problem. Anything I can do to control the weeds? Don't worry about the weeds. Honestly, don't the weeds grow up quicker and actually shade the grass at the first. So just okay. just mow them. The grass will come up and choke the weeds out because most of those weeds will be annual. The only ones you have to worry about is a perennial grass if you have a thistle or something like that in there. Okay, yeah. But otherwise, the rest of the weeds just don't worry about them when they come up. They actually will actually do beneficial for the, a lot of especially the Kentucky grasses. Okay, it'll actually protect them when you get a hot day like we did yesterday. It'll actually protect it, and uh, so just keep it moist. And just what you want to do is you want to, uh, when when it's ready for its first mow, you want to mow them so they don't go to flower, to seed, okay? That's the big thing. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. At what point in time when you're seeding a new lawn, is it safe to put a product like corn gluten or Yeah, not like until all your seed is germinated. So maybe like yeah. mid-summer? Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, Jamie and Watson on the text line. Hi there. Got a question about my apple tree. It's about four feet tall, prairie sensation from Dutch growers. Yep. I fertilized it a couple weeks ago with the organic evolved fruit tree fertilizer. Perfect. It's got about 50 blossoms on it. Yep. Will I get apples this year? And do I need to be the bee? You know, we talked about that. Yep. Um, you know to go between two different trees, okay? Right. So two, diff- two different apple trees, that's the key. Uh, but yeah, if you get that many blooms, and that fertilizer really does help it to, right. to produce that, okay? Well, Jamie says she, there's a grafted crab apple tree, basically yep. unusable as far as getting fruit on it, but it's about 70 feet from this tree. As long as it's flowering, as long as you can see it. I always say as long as you can see it, like even if you stood on top of your deck yep. and you look over a bunch of, you know, four or five different yards, you know, fences over mm-hmm. and you can see a, an apple tree, the bees will pollinate. They're okay. blooming at the same time. Okay. She's on a farm, so it's probably out, out wide open. Yeah, it's That's probably wide says. open. So, so, you know, as long as you can see it, you're fine. The bees will go back and so forth. So chances are Jamie will get tree will get some fruit as, this year as long as she has bees around her farm okay. or That's she can the be the bee be the bee or right be the bee between, between those two between trees those two trees okay so yep. jamie good luck with that we hope we're thinking you're going to get some 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 action some apple action yep. there yep. Okay. yeah texas later the season let us know how if it does it's, if it's that young she said you just got it didn't she four four feet tall it was sorry just gonna go back through yep. this a uh, couple years ago. Well, a couple yeah. Years. No, it's yeah. fine. Yeah, let her go. If I said it was just this year, I would pick some of the apples off. You don't want that quite that many because it wants to get rooted first, right? Perfect. Okay. We're going to get texts from Monica on the air, Julie in Battleford, Brian in Regina, Terry in Saskatoon, Ray, Al, and Tammy, and Karen's call. When we get back from this, I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyven Dyke. You're listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. 
Here we go. It's the lightning round, the very last segment of Garden Talk today. Can't believe it's gone that fast already. We're going to get to all the text in a moment, but our last call here for the day is in Saskatoon from Karen. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. How are we? I'm pretty good. Good. Um, I was calling. I had a quick question about uh, flea beetles. Okay. Earlier you were saying that they they like alyssum. So I've got an infestation in a bed where I've been growing some alyssum. And I'm wondering at what point do you know that they can't recover? Well, one of the things with alyssum is if the if it's eaten it right down to the base, the alyssum's pretty much done. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of times if you have trouble with flea beetles or maybe back onto a field um, and get them in, I'll actually tell people to keep their alyssum in their house for a little bit longer, right into the first week of June, until uh-huh. the flea beetles um, can go out to the, the crops and the other trees have sort of, the other plants have kind of bushed out and they can move to their other food source and okay. then put your alyssum out. So if it's something that you do have a common problem with in your yard is the flea beetles, keep the alyssum indoors for as long as you can and then move them out later because with alyssum, it will just it will just decimate. Or it can it. you you can use the crop cover too to get them yeah, started out there, and then, and then that'll just protect them as well. Yeah, I'm just wondering about the ones that I have if I'm going to have to replace them. Yeah, yeah if you want to so. send us a quick email to greenhouse at dutchgrowers.com, we can have a look at them, and I can tell you for sure um, okay. if if they're if they're done or not. Um, just to, just to, so you don't spend a lot of time watering just plain right. soil, right? So well, I did try an insecticidal soap, but I don't know if you'll it's never keep you'll good. never keep up to it. Yeah, insecticidal yeah. soap won't work very good on this. Yeah, because they, they keep you have to actually contact them, and they just come and go so quick. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, very good. That's good. I also had um, a quick comment about the praying mantises. Yes. yes. So when people are like, they should be starting them now out of their egg sacs. Yes. But but. You can put them in a in a warm window yes. inside the house yep. so that you don't have to worry about nighttime temperatures. I start mine in my greenhouse yep. when I'm when I'm trying to get them to come out of hibernation because at least that way I crack that window just a little bit. Then they can get out; they won't eat each other. Yeah, and uh, but it's still nice and warm in them. And, and that's they, that's the advantage you have is where if you keep them in this little cage, they'll start each, eating each other in the little cage, right? But if you give them a big right. enough space, like you said, then yep. it's perfect. Then it's perfect. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to cool. share that. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you for that. That's that's great, awesome. Karen. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks. Take care. Bye bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're going over to the text line now. We got a few to get to, so we're going to get as many as we can on the air. The last segment here. This is Ray in Saskatoon. I've got seven Parkland pillar birch. Yep. Five are about six years old. The other two are about ten feet tall, and this is their third year. Okay, so seven, so five are are older. Yep. A couple of them are are younger. Uh, they're three years old. The newest two are about six feet from each other. One is looking good. The other one's curled over at the top, and the leaves are tiny compared to the bottom two thirds. Is that a moisture issue? No, not time. Sometimes it's, it could be a moisture from last fall. Yeah. That you know they're ones again where they don't want to shut down. They go green rather than gold. Right. And then um, so that's very important that you shut your plants down in September. And so they just got. I think they just got a basically they got. I had one the same thing. I got a row of four of them at the mm-hmm. garden center, and one was it's slow. I don't know why it's yep. slow, but it's now full, caught up, and everything else is full leaves. So, so just just leave them and give them a shot of fertilizer. Watch the moisture. Watch the moisture, and especially in the fall, slow them down. Gotcha. Don't fertilize past July first. Don't. Okay. Well, that's okay. good to know because I've I've got some birch trees yep. I'm trying to get going too. So no, they grow so quickly during the month of June, and after that, you just want them to get ready to go shut down again. Okay. <laughs> so they get like one month. Yeah. 
They well, sit there. They're, they're still growing, but you're not really forcing them to go. Hard. I know, but they've like only just come into leaf like basically yep. a week ago. They get the month of June, yep. and then we say, okay, that's enough for you. Time to shut down. Yeah, Time to shut down. Bye. Oh, <laughs> uh, they'll still grow. There's still food. There's still food there. I just don't want to give them. A, I don't want to fill the banquet table too full because they gorge otherwise. I want them to get big. That's the problem. Yeah. I want <laughs> shade and I want privacy. You should see Jay right now. He's pounding the table. He wants his trees to get big. I want them to grow. <laughs> One month, that's it? Okay, anyways. Yeah. Alan Saskatoon says, red bugs are eating my lily leaves. Yes. Spray with seven or dormant oil. Ooh, that's a lily beetle. Uh, lily beetle. Yeah, pick off the egg masses. There'll be orange egg masses on the backside of the leaves. Just yep. keep on top of that and spray them with, uh, with uh, actually ambushes. Probably the best thing, don't hit the flowers, but spray the, every, every 10 to 14 days, spray the leaves. Okay. Tammy says, my May Day got sunburnt last year. Struggling, but it's getting better. Should I fertilize it? If it got sunburned, uh, it's if it's sun scald on the bark, you, you can fertilize. Watch the moisture there again. They get sun scald. You got to watch the moisture in the fall, and also you put a tree wrap on the bark if you're getting sun scald. That it's white and reflects the sun for the winter time. Okay, uh, we had a call about uh, the peas getting disappearing. Yep. And this uh, texture commented, it says, I bet the robins are eating the peas uh, because it happens to me all the time. That's true. It could be. And I know because in the greenhouse, we have sparrows that decided to come in and they're picking off things all the time. So we talk about rabbits or like, you know, yep. rodents, but it could be the birds too. We have our rodents with wings. Rodents yep. with wings. Yeah, yep. exactly. Okay. So that's, uh, that's that. Uh, and we've got as well. The crop, uh, the crop cover would protect okay. them from that as well. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Couple minutes here left. Morning. Sharon's from Saskatoon. Sharon says, I've got a very old little leaf linden tree that has been sending out many sprouts along the base of the trunk. Yes. I've been cutting them off. Yes. And of course, now I've got many more. Yeah. So she understands. It, that. It, it, it multiplies like Can crazy. I use Roundup Advance or something like that on the sprouts with harming the tree? Are there any without, other suggestions? Without harming the tree, yes. Yeah. It's called Roundup Advance. It's very important that the advance has to be on it, not straight Roundup, please. Right, yes. And then other one's called Top Gun. And you can spray them just as soon as the leaf pops out of those little stems down there. Don't wait till they get three or four inches long. Hit them right away. So once a week, go there and just spray them. Uh, it's Remember, it's, it's not a final cure. It's a control. Okay. Uh, who's this from? Uh, Rianne in Edenwald. We have two red Gemini apple trees planted in the fall of 2019. And we also have a Norcant apple tree planted in the last spring. The red Gemini trees have lots of flowers, but there's nothing on the Norcant. Is there still time for it to flower or not well, really? The problem is when now it's going to flower, um, it, it'll miss the other trees. Right. right to cross-pollinate. So I would suggest... There again, use some of that fruit and berry around them for this year hey. and get get all the micronutrients up on it and it'll be better for that plant for next year. If we didn't get to your text here on the air, we'll get to it just as we get off the air, but we pretty much got all of them. So that's it for today. Holy cow. Enjoy fast. your garden. Get out there. Be active and take in the smells of this fresh air. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, too. Yep. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. Thanks for listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.